Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 33 of the Camino Voice. On this episode, I speak to the son of Mark Ellinger, as well as a former podcaster. Please welcome Marcus Ellinger. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. On this episode, I got to speak with Marcus Ellinger, who is the son of Mark Ellinger, so you will know him from the previous podcast, uh, who is the founder of Glass Quest, as well as the founder of the Great Northwest Glass Quest uh, that we have going on in February. Um, and anyways, so I got to speak to his son, who works with him at the shop. And we get into the history of how he got started with his dad in the uh, glass blowing. Uh, but then we actually take a turn and change from that into talking about his previous podcast that he actually used to have. It was called Nerd Buzzed. Uh, it's no longer available, but you can still listen to it on things like YouTube and their Facebook page. So uh, I have a link for that in the description. Um, but anyways, we share a love of nerd and nerd culture and things that are going on in that world. So we actually get a little nerdy in this podcast. So hopefully uh, you don't get too bored from that. Um, but anyways, get a little more insight into my, my background and what I enjoy too. So anyways, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Marcus Ellinger. Hey, Islanders, it's Brandon with the Command of Voice. And today I'm here with the son of Mark Ellinger uh, of Glass Quest, Marcus Ellinger. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. I've been, I've actually been looking forward to this podcast for a while, ever since I heard that you had a podcast uh, in the past. Yes. So, um, well, I, I'm excited to get into all of that. But before we get started, uh, tell us a little bit about Marcus. Um, let's see. I'm... I'm going to be, I'm getting old now. I'm going to be 40 here soon. Uh, I'm way into nerdy stuff for Perfect. sure. I like, you know, superhero movies, action movies, sci-fi movies, lots of video game stuff. Um, that was what our podcast was all about, that. And uh, drinking beer. We like, uh, me and my friends, we'd all, you know, we love sitting around having a good craft beer and watching a nerdy movie or playing a nerdy game. So we did we did a lot of that on our podcast. Um like uh, you said, I'm my father's son, Mark Ellinger, who was on your show, and uh, we work at Glass Quest together, so making lots of floats, or balls, as people like to call them out there. <laughs> uh, I've been doing a lot of that lately, um, but uh, yeah, I've just been trying to stay nerdy and keep that going without... Uh, without as much podcasting, so I can in incorporate more nerd in my life. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, so... <clears throat> Yeah, so let's. So you you went to high school and everything. Did you grow up in this area then? I moved here. I want to say I was. I think I was ten. So I think we moved here uh, like nineteen ninety. Okay. Um, and that was like third grade, I believe. So I went from third grade through high school here. So I graduated in ninety nine. Um, but yeah, pretty for the most part, all of my education was here in Salmon. Got it. Okay. So what did you do post high school? Um. Let's see. Uh, I went to, like, right after high school. I originally kind of kind of moved around a lot on the island, so that would be my island connection. I did live out here at my first three places I lived. I got I kind of got the boot pretty early after high school uh, from my parents' pad, and so it was like the summer after high school or that <laughs> next what would have been the next year, right? And I wasn't going to college right away, so I ended up moving in with a buddy of mine. We'd always talked about renting a house together. And I remember going down there, I was like, you know how we talked about that? <laughs> it's time to do it. <laughs> Got like 30 days to make this happen. Um, <laughs> so we ended up doing that, lived on a little place on Juniper Beach. Oh, very nice. And um, it, it's really cool down there. Uh, one of my favorite places down there for sure. Uh, we had a little place right on the water. So there's this little teeny bulkhead, like a maybe a 15 foot yard that led literally right to the beach there. So in the, the, in the evening there, when the tide goes out, it goes way out. So you can walk, walk out in the sands forever. And just when the full moon was out, it was one of my favorite places for sure. That's awesome. And then after that, I think we moved to, um, 
what's the little store past Elger Bay? Is that Tai? I'm trying to remember. Yes, I think it's the, down that way. Yep. yep. So we lived out kind of by there, which is where you learn that if you live too far on the island, you add like at least 40 minutes to <laughs> any trip you go anywhere, right? Like just a trip to town is almost an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty crazy out there. Um, and then we moved a little closer kind of to the country <clears throat> club. And then I ended up buying a place out uh, in Stanwood, real close to where I work now with my dad out at the uh, glass shop. I okay. was house painter for a long time. That's what I did, or construction. So we had our own house painting company um, out here on the island locally. Okay. So maybe Even Sheen was the name. Maybe some of your listeners out there, we painted your house. Yeah. Hopefully it's still holding up. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So when did you start the painting company then? Uh, painting company was probably, man, let's see. I've been blowing glass for like 13 years with my dad, and I bet... Oh, six years bef- before that. So probably about 20 years ago, maybe, is when I started the house painting company. Okay. And um, it was just one of those things where it kept me and a buddy, a good friend of mine since high school, we've been working for other people for long enough. And we thought, I think we can do this. And we started working and it got way bigger than we thought it would get, uh, way faster than we thought it would get. It was pretty overwhelming. And we started to have, starting to hire employees and just having to deal with multiple jobs and I would kind of run the jobs and help out on the crew. And my, my buddy was really good at running the crews and, and keeping the job itself going while I was out dealing with customers and everything. And it just, he got kind of burnt out and wanted to go back to school and, and pursue education. <clears throat> and I couldn't handle it all on my own. And at that time during the slow months is when I'd work with my dad yeah. and help him out in the shop. And I just, eventually I was like, well, my buddy wants to go do his thing. I don't really want to keep d- pushing ahead this hard myself. Do you? What do you think if I start blowing glass with you? And he said, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. And that was like 13 years ago. So it's, I think I'm, I think I'm still, you know, testing and In seeing the trial if it'll period. work out. Yeah, yeah. Still the trial period. So I got to, you know, make sure I play it safe still. But yeah. I think it's going to work out. <laughs> so did you end up going to college yourself then? Uh, I did go to... Um, the Everett Community College oh, for, okay. I think, I want to say almost a year. When it, That was when I first uh, lived in Juniper Beach. It was with my roommate there. I moved in. We both went there for uh, like computer design. And I really, I've always <coughs> been into art and, and in all sorts of different forms, right? Like even there's an art to podcasting even, right? Yeah. And um, I really struggled with doing it like under the the restrictions of doing it in school, and mm-hmm. I, I I really struggled with that. I was never a fan of going to school. Like I uh, I really didn't go to a lot of high school. I managed to get really good <laughs> grades, and like I remember gra- I got to graduate with like the gold sash with the the honors and whatever. I had a really high GPA, and all my friends were baffled because they knew how much school I skipped. Right, but that was like again. I'm getting older now, and it was before the uh, like the Becca bill, or when they would really crack down on any of that yeah, on you. Yeah. So you could kind of get away with it, and it did, again, the school didn't really care as long as you were passing too. So, but I remember like my last year of high school, I think I only had to go to high school uh, to like lunch, and then I had because I already had enough credits from everything oh, okay. else, so I got, yeah. and then I just go around and goof off, and I got way into art that year, especially. I really started after school doing a lot of different art stuff, and thought I'd try doing it at the college and. I ended up finding it to be kind of frustrating, and I really wanted to to break away and kind of put my own flares on things. And I remember you, you kept getting um, like reprimanded for that, yeah. right? And I was like, I get it, and I want to do what you want me to do, but it, but it's got to be fun for me, and I want to make it my own. And I kept they kept yelling at me for it, so eventually I kind of phased out of that. <laughs> got it. So was it mainly graphic design style stuff uh, you were yeah, working on? Yeah, there was graphic design, but there were to get that <clears throat> course, you also had to take like. Uh, you know, like like uh, different two-dimensional drawing classes or painting and that kind of thing, learning light per- perspectives and different stuff like that, um, which were fun. But again, you were, it was such this, like you had to get it done this certain way and if it didn't meet all the criterias and everything, which I always tried to do, but my against-the-grain personal flair, they weren't a huge fan of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's something, I mean, it's it's almost like oxymoronic the art classes in the sense of like if they're trying to regiment not probably not as rigid they're not trying to be rigid but they want to make sure you're hitting these certain things so they're like okay make sure your drawing has x y and z and if you throw in something else they're like well you didn't quite do x y and z and you're like 
Well, <laughs> it's yeah. art. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like that other element is me. It's yeah. like that's what makes it art, and you know, it, it makes it personal, and yeah. uh, which is what I love about art so much is that when art's done, when you when art's done right, and it's actually genuine art, it really is this personal <clears throat> connection to it, and yeah. I love that so much in finding it. Like glass blowing is, I've never done any type of art that requires so much of a personal connection with the medium you're working with. Yeah, because the glass is just constantly moving, and so you're constantly at the mercy of what it wants to do. So it's this. I always tell people when they come in for a class um, at the at the shop that kind of think of it almost like dancing, right? And it's like, it's a, it's not a solo, you know, it's not uh, like break dancing all by yourself. It's like, you got your whole team here and it's you, it, you got to work together and let each other shine. And I really love that challenge of glass point. I've always liked that about art, but th that's such an important element to me that it's personal and that there's a connection between you and the piece that you're making. Yeah. So then um, you, you mentioned during the slow times of your, your painting business, you would actually work with your dad on some of these. Um, what was that like? What extent were you working with him during those slow seasons? Um, in the beginning, it was uh, it was a lot of just kind of getting getting parts for pieces so that he could then add and he'd be the main guy at the bench. And I'd basically be the grunt kind of assistant guy. Right. Um, when I was a kid, we were all the grunts and we all hated the shop because it meant sweep the floor and like sift through color and that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so I'd say it was a step above that, <laughs> but not really that far. Um, the nice thing about working with where it is just me and my dad, as opposed to like going to another glass shop um, and just kind of having to start from the ground level that way is that a lot of, for that type of experience, a lot of times it takes you, it can take you years to really be making anything, right? Yeah. Like you don't get that freedom to, to just sit down at the bench and make stuff. The guy there needs you to make, you know, a lot of times several hundred of one piece mm -hmm. and you get to do this part of it and that's all you do, right? right. And you do that forever. When I got uh, kind of thrown into it with my dad, I didn't really, really get that. It was like a blessing <clears throat> and a curse kind of where it was, I didn't get that time to refine all that stuff. I had to do that along the way while I was constantly learning new stuff because he always needed me to be ready to make the next thing. Yeah. And it was this super crash course, right? Um, but I, I think I actually lucked out and I was really fortunate that it happened that way just because I got to be exposed to so many different ways to work with the glass. And uh, the instant you start glass blowing or trying any anything like that that's that foreign and unique, there's a lot of learning uh, because you do it the wrong way, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's a lot of learning what not to do, basically. Right. And it gave me an opportunity to learn a lot of what not to do and make a lot of mistakes to get to that, to that positive point where I think in the other route, it's, you get kind of stuck in a rut for a long time. And this, I didn't have that. I didn't have that option. So I head first dove into the deep end with him and it, it's worked out really well. So, um, I, I've, I appreciate that I was kind of forced to learn all that stuff that quickly. Yeah. Well, and something I find interesting about, uh, the glass blowing specifically is, um, I mean, art to me is so foreign because I'm a very mathematical science person. Um, and so the the art side, like I'm always, I had a friend that was a, a good artist drawing and stuff like that when I was growing up. And he would draw things. I'm like, I, like I would draw a stick figure and I'm like, that's about as creative as I can be. Like I have no idea how you think to draw that way. Um, but with glass blowing it's not just the aspect of the art, which is fascinating. It's also that it's not like you get to sit there and think like, okay, I want to do this. Like, this is how I want it to work. Cause like, as soon as you pull it out, you're going. And it's, it's not like you get to really think slowly, like, okay, maybe I should do this. It's, it's starting to cool. And like, uh, you're, you're learning on the fly. <laughs> and it is nonstop until you put it away in the oven. And once it's put away in the oven, it's done. Right? Yeah. Like, and you can't, I can't just set it down and decide to come back tomorrow and work on it. Right. It's, it has to be done in whatever, in that day at least. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess it depends on how long I want to work, but you get that basically that much time to do it. And then the, you have to put it away finished. And that is also uh, different about it. I'm, a lot of the other types of art I've done, you can always put it away yep. and come back when you're like re-inspired to yeah. do it again. Um, but that, that forced environment of, of having to get done what you want to do uh, all in one process. I think it also forces you to make a lot of mistakes and learn from those, and which 
causes a lot of rapid, hopefully a lot of rapid progression, right? Hopefully yeah. mistakes are fine as long as we <laughs> learn from them, but right. You don't want to get stuck. Sometimes it's frustrating to get stuck in that rut and you just, right. you make a bunch of seconds. Like <clears throat> today was kind of an example for, for us today. We're making a bunch of goblets and I think it took us, we made a bunch of, I say a bunch because we probably made like six or seven, but only like two are really going to work for what we wanted because they have to kind of be the same. That's always a struggle to make two of the exact same yeah. thing, right? But I think we nailed it. <laughs> it took us several more than it should have, but it was just one of those days, right? But yep. we learned a lot and tomorrow we'll make the other ones we need. And I bet it goes a lot smoother. Yeah. Hopefully. Well, yeah. <laughs> you always hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think that was, I mean, that was something interesting when I got to talk to your dad, he was mentioning how he started with very commercial side in the sense of like, it was a specific vase or whatever that they were trying to create. And so like it was one after the other and it was that repetition. Yeah. Um, but uh, for you guys, it sounds like with everything, it's this, you guys have to kind of free form and then in that free form, like, okay, how do I make it kind of feel or look the same as that last one we just did? Yeah. And, it, and especially when something uh, is <laughs> happening just kind of organically or because you made a mistake and then you roll with it, it's really hard to duplicate this mishap again, right? So sometimes you get a third one that, you know, we'll sell in the shop or something to <laughs> somebody who's not looking for that perfect set. But um, that is always a challenge of it to try to make make things that are the same. Um, it's it, I'm always, uh, my favorite pieces that I'm always a big fan of are the first few of something because they have such like ornate, organic qualities to them that I couldn't really replicate if I wanted because they're, they are that tangible learning experience, right? Yeah. And it might be a little crooked or a little wompy or uh, have just have something funky going on in it. But for me, that's this moment in that piece where I learned something and we connect, I personally connected with the piece. And so those always have this special place for me as opposed to the one that looks just immaculate that's like a dozen down the line, right? Those yeah. first funky ones are, they're always my favorite. And it's just, it's evidence visually in front of you and watching yourself learn. And it's really cool to, to get to see that, right? Yeah, very cool. I think the other thing that was really interesting talking with your dad was <clears throat> he was saying how because you have such a strong artistic background um, and just natural bent towards um, that he's learned so much just from you, like working with you on, on things. Yeah, I think we are constantly learning from each other. I do think uh, we definitely have our elements of art that we're, that we're better at. Uh, we're both, which is great because we both can put our own little flares and personal um, you know, influences into it. But I would, I'd say I'm probably a little better at, at kind of visualizing sort of the steps I want to do to get there. Uh, my dad is phenomenal at uh, colors and under knowing the process of glass blowing. He just he has so many years experience that he just knows what's going to happen if he does something way more than me. I might have the steps a little clearer in my head, but I'll get to one of them and suddenly realize that's not going to work. So now I've got to change all these steps on the fly, right? But like sculpting pieces, um, I I think I can do pretty good at that. Uh, we do some birds and. Um, some other, like I've done some little figures and that type of thing, or put faces on mugs and kind of tried to give them uh, some sculpted personality. And I really enjoy that process of doing it. There's a lot of uh, like doing, doing something to it and then a reaction that you have to just suddenly work with on the fly. Um, but I've always been really good at drawing and kind of like how you were saying that you struggle with the, the getting the mental, translating that mental image onto yeah. the paper, right? Yeah. And again, I just think it comes with practice. Just make stick figures, tell your stick figures to now wear clothes, right? And then suddenly they'll have hair and facial features. It's mm. like it just all kind of happens. But I used to draw a lot, and I, th I think that helped me uh, with that mental, translating that mental image to a, to the tangible thing I wanted to make. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Um, when you were <clears throat> first kind of deciding to get started with your dad, was that something that, was there a discussion of, you know, how well do we work together and all of that? Or was it kind of just, we'll just try it out. And if it works, it works. And if not, I think, yeah, it was a lot of that. Um, a, a lot of just kind of, that is literally what he said to me was, <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes. You know, <laughs> it was like, show up tomorrow again and we'll see how it goes. And, uh, and we just kept working every day together and it kept working out really well. We hang out a lot, uh, outside of work mm -hmm. and, um, like my whole family in general is really supportive of each other. Um, yeah. We have really good uh, just communication. And my immediate family is really awesome. Not that my extended family isn't, but we were this really close knit uh, immediate family. And 
like I would totally say my dad is my best friend. So we hang out a lot together. We communicate really well, never take anything personally about each other. It's always just about, you know, finding a way to get the piece done. And it's not about, there's not a lot of ego around any of it, which is really great, really supportive of each other. Um, but yeah, no, we, we get along really well and it just kind of organically happened really naturally for us. Yeah. And are you, do you have siblings or? I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Okay. Um, neither of them are really interested in the glass blowing. They just didn't really take, they were never really as into art and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, growing up. Uh, I naturally, I just went to it right away and was always loved drawing and like comic books, right? Yeah. That's another one of my nerdy things, but that's probably what got me into art to begin with was comics as a kid. I was always, I'd have my favorite Spider-Man comic and I want to draw, you know, uh, the, that pose that was on that page. So I'd draw it five times again, making all these mistakes along the way and refining it and getting better and better. And I think like Spider-Man and Ninja Turtles were some of the first things I used to draw all the time as a kid. And I don't really remember my sister and brother being a, finding that as appealing to them, being as attracted to that. Yeah. Uh, my brother really likes to work with his works with the, work with his hands. Um, so he, he's a machinist and does gets to do a lot of that stuff. So he is creating. Uh, I mean, that's an art in itself too. Right? Yeah. Uh, my sister was always into singing. That would maybe be her art thing. I yeah. Would say. What's your what's like the age gap? Um. So my brother. So I'm 39. My brother is. Uh, eight years younger than me. So okay. there's quite an age gap there. Mm-hmm. And my sister's right in the middle. Uh, she's three years younger than me. Okay. So, uh, yeah, me and my brother had, he was always the little pain in, pain in the butt little brother <laughs> growing up, right? But now, but now that we're all kind of out of all that, uh, we've done a lot of things in our adult lives to just kind of be there and help each other out when each other needed it. And uh, we're really, really good, really good about supporting each other and Really, everybody gets along now, but yeah, he was a little pain in my. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that growing up, eight years was a lot to take your brother, right? <sighs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It's funny. I mean, I've got I've got four kids right now, and just watching the the different conversations that go on and the frustrations and how it's so real to them. At you know, my girls are eight, and like this frustration with their brother or something, and it's like, well, what's the matter? And it's like he made a face at me and I'm mad about it. And they're so serious. Yo, yeah. Right. And it's like, it's always something. It's always something. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty funny. It's crazy how, uh, because even though we are all really close knit, um, we're all <clears throat> drastically different than each other. Right. Yeah. Like I do the art thing. My brother, uh, does the machining thing. And, uh, my sister, um, she takes care of her kids, um, homeschools them and, and really great mom. Um, but we're all so different, even just like how we approach everything, just social situations in the world and yeah. whatever. But when we get together, it, it kind of doesn't really matter anymore. But it's pretty crazy that that drastically different of people can kind of come from that same place. Right. Yeah. But we're so totally different than each other. Yeah. 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 No, my um, my wife, their span is I forget their span. It's over 20 years between oldest, youngest. Um, so they have a huge span within their siblings. Um, but yeah, there's just each sibling has such different viewpoints on different things. And there's definitely like a string that connects it all. Yeah. Um, but, um, it is interesting. Like, yeah, you you had the same parents. So how, (laughs) yeah, how does this happen? My sister is probably the most like easygoing and maybe like, uh, like best intentions, like really easygoing, really, really great person. My brother is kind of the opposite end where he's a little more, I like to say he's abrasive, a little more abrasive to the world, right? Great guy, phenomenal person, but a little bit more abrasive. And I kind of fall a little bit in the middle there with all <laughs> of them. And you see that a lot in their kids even. Like yeah. their their kids have those those personalities that are so different uh, because of that. And it's, I don't know, it's pretty cool to see them all together. Yeah, right. no, that's that's neat. All right. Well, tell me, I want to hear a little bit more about the podcast that you were you had going. So you've... How long were you doing the podcast? Uh, it, I believe we did it for about three years. Oh, um, wow. Okay. So we got, up, we got up there in the... I can't remember what the... I started to just kind of stop numbering episodes after a while. I was like, the number doesn't matter. Like, people shouldn't feel a need to watch or listen to these in order. Just pick up the one that sounds interesting to you and enjoy that. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. the next one will autoplay. Maybe hopefully you'll like that one too. 
Um, but I think when I was numbering them, I got up to like maybe like 200 something. Wow. So we okay. Did quite a few. We tried to do it like every once a week is how we started. Okay. Um, and it was uh, quite the undertaking when I first started doing it. We sat, it, it started out with me and my brother in law. He was the co host. It kind of worked out. We didn't know who the host was going to be, right? I always imagined myself kind of a little more behind the scenes. But then when it started happening, it was like, well, somebody's got to kind of take over the hosting thing and kind of run this thing. And I got nominated, so I kind of got stuck in the hot seat. But we were hanging out, uh, drinking a beer, and just talking about nerdy stuff. And we were talking about how a couple podcasts that we had enjoyed were quitting, right? Yeah. And we were kind of bummed about that. They were going to, like, break up and each do their own. And it was just different after that. They weren't the same as as when these people were together. Right. And so we were we were talking about that and saying how like, well, we should try to do a podcast. I don't know what it would be about. Like what do we how do we even do this? And in that moment when we were drinking beer, I think we were talking about like Dragon Ball Z, right? That always seemed to come up on our show. <laughs> and we were both big Dragon Ball Z fans growing up. And uh, we th- we it had this epiphany it was like, this should be the show. We should drink a beer. And drink a different beer every episode. We'll talk about what we think of the beer because we, we, that was something we always did and we hung out. And we'll talk about nerdy stuff. And we'll just talk about something nerdy on every episode. And we started the ball rolling and it just kept going and having guests. The very first episode was one of the most humbling experiences of my life <laughs> as far as like just going in assuming it was going to be this cakewalk. And we ended up sitting down with one laptop and assuming we could record everything. We had two mics. And at least at that time, it was almost impossible to hook up two like digital microphones to one laptop. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I nev- it never occurred to me that that would be an issue, right? So if that very first episode, which is super rough, right, obviously, but uh, we actually had to call my mom, go over to my mom's house, borrow my mom's laptop so we could hook up both microphones at once, right? So we had, here I am with my laptop, and then I had to go borrow something from my mom to make this first show work. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. Uh, but it, yeah, we just, the ball kept rolling with it. Um, got to try a lot of really good beers. Uh, I got to learn almost too much <clears throat> about nerdy stuff that I just was casually enjoying, and then suddenly started to to realize all the all the kind of the underworld of a lot of it that you don't really you don't really think to even to know about or expose yourself to when you're just kind of in the moments of enjoying it, right? right? And then it's like you start getting into some of the politics of it all and some of that kind of started to burn me out by the end. Um, but overall, just it was a super fun, positive experience. I met a lot of really cool people uh, just kind of networking and meeting other podcast people, really supportive community. Um, don't be afraid to ask anybody else out there that's podcasting. They will jump on on board and help you out right away for sure. Yeah. No, I, I've definitely noticed that when I've talked to people. They're, they're definitely very open in the community. and Yeah. I um, mean, we're all kind of in that. I mean, especially people that are starting out, and it's like you're all, I mean, like I said, it's like a big pond, right? And there's a lot of us out there in there just trying to, you know, get recognized in, in some little bit of way or just hope, hoping to entertain people, really. Yeah. And so there's a lot of other people out there that are, that are putting a lot of positive energy to other podcasters. So the community of podcasting is really cool. Yeah. I enjoyed that part of it. Yeah. No, that's that's neat. That is something, though, um, with the nerd stuff. I've definitely, like, I've always grown up, um, like, I in my family, I'm really the only one that really cared about anything nerd stuff related. Yeah. And um, That was kind of more me and my family, too, yeah. Yeah, so I was... Um, like I was not, I wasn't actually a huge superhero fan growing up. I was super into Pokemon, Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh, like these like animes that came over from Japan and were just ne- then getting dubbed and everything. Yeah. So like those are my introduction into that type of world. And so I was super into all of those things. And, um, and then as superhero stuff started coming out, I was more into the film side of it than I was like going to the comics. Yeah. And with the comics, it always... Like, I would start reading the comics, but, like, and they started re-releasing or resetting the world and things like that. But, it what like, when you jumped into a comic, you were so far past go, like, the beginning of it, that I was like, wait, I am so lost. And the story would begin and end in the comic, and I'd be done and be like, I don't really know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I always tell people whenever they go for for comic books... Don't necessarily get held up on that you're a fan of, like, this superhero. Like, maybe only... I only want to read The Flash, right? Like, it's the only one I like. Like, maybe start there, but then when you get to that arc that's... They're typically 
you know, some of them go for like a year, but you can usually get these arcs where it's like six to 12 issues. Yeah. And it's usually done by a writer and an artist team. Yeah. Right. And so once, if that's the one you really enjoyed or that's your favorite part, don't be afraid to pursue them as opposed yeah. to the hero, because I, then you're going to have a similar feel and you're going to, it's like a movie director or yeah. somebody, right? Like, even though they make these different genres of movies, you might like the feel of that movie, of their style of movie. So don't be afraid to to pursue that. And I also like to encourage people to not so much get hung up on the big two, which is usually Marvel and DC. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of um, independent comics out there. If you go to your comic shop, there's a comic book out there that isn't necessarily superheroes and tights saving the day that, but it'll have something in there that's really personal and it's written really well. And the artwork is really unique in it and, it, and it's very independent, but um, that's another good way to kind of find uh, different artists and people that, that work on it. Cause sometimes those guys that work on the big ones want to break away and do something more personal to them. Yeah. So they'll do an independent one and it'll be more like on an independent label, like a, like image is really good at that or dark horse is another company that you can, you can check them out and they, they will have, sometimes those people will only do a comic that's, again, like 12 issues. And that's it. The whole, the characters are done. The story's done. Yeah. It's this complete story. So you don't have to worry about that. Like you're saying, jumping in in the middle of this big arc, and now suddenly it's going to tie into every other DC comic. So yeah. now you got to get 50 of them to get the yep. whole story. And it's like, it could be super overwhelming right. for sure. Um, but yeah, the nerd world is, has really changed. That was something that even even over the the I would say the course of the past like eight years, it has just dominated everything. Like I yeah. remember growing up, it was not cool to be a nerd. No. Like, I remember <laughs> getting made fun of and like, I remember friends that quit hanging out with me in like middle school because I would still read comics or like play with Ninja Turtle toys or like something, right? I was like, that wasn't cool anymore. Yeah. Even though they were people I was like jealous of because they had more comics and like Ninja Turtle toys that I did like the summer before. We were just playing with them. But suddenly it was like, you know, all these other things started taking over and it just wasn't as cool. And I remember you would get picked on for that, right? Now yeah. now it's like, you want to start a conversation, just bring up Iron Man, Yeah. right? And so you talk to any, anybody can have a conversation about Iron Man now, which is insane. When I was a kid, Iron Man was like a, he's like a B team, right? Yeah. It wasn't even like this major, like the Avengers. It's crazy to me that the Avengers are just this, this household name, this world-renowned thing. When, when I was a kid growing up, like they were... A, a big, they were a big name in the superhero world, but they were again, I mean, they're kind of like this B team. They had to bring them all together to sell their comics individually because they weren't really popular, right? It was like that was a motivation. Yeah. It's just crazy. Well, and even that, like, I feel like growing up, um, like, I didn't really know who the Avengers were. I knew Justice League more so just because the name was thrown out more. Yeah. Um, but and yeah. They'd been around way longer. So I could see yeah. that getting more in grit like with super friends and like these other old school co uh, shows that i remember growing up watching the definitely dc is older and i could see people getting exposed to that more but yeah a lot of the marvel stuff they've done phenomenal with what they've done yeah uh because they didn't have the big like they didn't have like the big two they didn't have spider-man and they didn't have x-men they weren't theirs to dabble in they have right. they have it all now basically but yeah yeah at the time it, that was a massive gamble and it's it's phenomenal i think I mean, there's definitely, like, nerdy superhero fatigue going on out there. But yeah. that, the, that whole beginning arc from Endgame, which was their big culminating everything yeah. of the past 10 years, I don't know that as a super nerd you will ever get anything that will scratch that itch to that degree ever right. again, right? Like, I well, still, some of them you like them, some of them you don't. I still look at it as, like, just enjoy the ride because it's not going to last forever. Right. right. It'll be something else soon. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that was something, you know, when I remember going back even to that, I mean, going to the Iron Man and, like, there's the end credit scene and they're, like, you know, you're, like, oh, there's going to be more. Like, there's going to be stuff that connects to this. And, you know, my, we were just, <clears throat> I was talking to someone about the, um, they watched Avengers cause they, they like missed a bunch of stuff. So they're going back and they're rewatching. They're like, well, I don't know what Avengers was so exciting. Like it wasn't that big a deal. The enemy wasn't that exciting. I was like, you don't understand. This is the first time in like cinematic history where all of these movies with big actors, all of a sudden all came together into one movie. Oh yeah. And I was like that, like it could have, they could have been fighting anything, but the fact that all of them were together in one film that, all connected from these past stories, like, which oh, is so crazy. Many yeah, if you go back and watch those old, the, all the movies that led up to that, there are all these little things 
that matter along the way <clears throat> that like get brought up and like people's personalities change by the end and you yeah. get to watch that character grow and be totally different. Like they're just, there's some standout phenomenal movies in there that set new standards for what a superhero movie is now. Yeah. Right. That, I mean, again, not all of them are super great, you know, to each his own, but there are movies in there that I think outside of being a superhero movie, it's just a great film and it has, it's set a new standard and shown that it can be done and it can be done well. It doesn't have to be this cliche kids movie. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, going back a little bit, just as a kid, like I was super into Pokemon and was into that. I mean, I'm still in. So, um, I never grew up out of that, but it was something like for the longest time, like people were like, Oh, it's so dumb. And like, like, I can't believe you still like play that or think about that. And, um, but that was kind of the general feel. Like when you went on the internet, like they were, I was, uh, you would hear like blogs, like, oh, you know, this is dumb and it's fading and all this different stuff. But every time they released a new game, it was a, the best seller of the year. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, I was like, yeah. so people are buying these things still. And now it's just more mainstream. People are like proud of that fact rather than like, oh, I, I'm a closet Pokemon lover or something. But yeah, yeah. And it's, and which is totally like, uh, I'm sure that you had those same experiences too, where like maybe you're at the lunch table playing Poke, Pokemon card game or something, yeah. right? Or, and there's those people that would ridicule you for it or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, exactly. But, They're like, I can't believe you went, you brought those out. <laughs> and yeah. Like, but I like them. <laughs> yeah, totally, right? And uh, that's more like my, my brother's era. He was into Pokemon and like uh, Power Rangers. That was yep. another thing that yeah. came out right about that time. Um, and I always thought it was like, it was okay. And I would it wasn't my first introduction into like an anime, uh, Dragon Ball Z for sure. I latched yeah. onto, and that's, it's like the world's biggest soap opera, right? It's this drama fest, but it's got some pretty uh, crazy over the top action stuff in it. Lots of screaming and yelling. It's pretty great. <laughs> right. It's always about get stronger and whoever can blow up the next biggest thing. Yeah. But, uh, that was the one that really got me into any kind of anime thing. But then I, but for me at first before a series was always like anime movies yeah. and they were always, uh, there used to be these places called video rental stores where you could go <laughs> rent a movie. You couldn't stream it, right? This was before the internet, so you couldn't look up things on the internet, but there'd always be somewhere in that movie store, there'd be this little shelf somewhere that would be these like Japanese, uh, like imported anime movies. And if yeah. you could, there was always like at least a few at almost every, every store. And I remember like, uh, like Vampire Hunter D was one I was a big fan of. One was called Ninja Scroll that I was a big fan of. And when you would watch them as a kid, I remember you'd get to take them home because they were cartoons, right? And yeah. nobody thought anything of it. But then you'd watch them as a kid and be like, <laughs> this is so gory, violent, <laughs> like crazy stuff going on in here. Like, I don't think mom and dad knew what, <laughs> but then I was hooked, right? It was like, and the art of it, I really appreciated. Like, it's not... Yeah. Uh, a lot, there are those animes, of course, that are like a Saturday morning cartoon, but you can find animes that are, again, almost like a comic book quality where the drawing in it is, it is this personal passion project of these creators and this mm -hmm. team that did it. And the production value is insane. And when you think that it, that it's all done by hand by these people, it's just crazy. And, and a lot of those I think are, are the older one. Digital stuff has really kind of taken over and kind of changed a lot of that. Right. And again, it's everywhere now, right? You can, the internet has just changed everything. But yeah. You're making me sound super old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, like one of my introductions, I would say to like superheroes in general, like the thing that started me, I mean, Spider-Man, obviously, just because I think that's most people's entry. Yeah. Um, and that was like some of the Spider-Man PlayStation games and stuff like that. But the, Smallville, which was a uh, show based on um, Superman, like before he was really Superman. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so all 10 seasons. <laughs> I, I, me and my wife couldn't handle it. We handled it up to like season eight, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then we were like, all right, this is getting to be too much. Yeah. But I, I usually don't care for like the high school kind of drama part yes. of a show. But I actually thought that's the best part of that show. Like those yeah. first few seasons where you get to see Superman like – learn to use x-ray vision for the first time. Yeah. Where, like he sneezes and blows a hole in the wall because right. he just didn't know he could do but that. But then he's like, like, I've got to not, like no one can see this, right? Yeah, right. You, yeah, I actually really enjoyed that show, especially in those first few seasons. I didn't think I would. It's like, what is it, like CW or something, yep. right? Yeah, yep. yeah. Or WB. Maybe at the time it was Yeah, WB, it probably right? was. Nah, yeah. See, again, I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and then um, the, so one of the things I've continued, I actually have, in the last year and a half, probably stopped keeping up with them as much. But the CW then rebooted and did Arrow, 
which started the whole nother like DC yeah. universe thing. And anyways, they've, they've continued to build on that and they've got like four or five shows that all kind of connect. It's like every day of the week you can watch yeah. the DC hero show. I know. Now, and they've right? done a better job than the DC movies. Um, oh, yeah, shots yeah. fired. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they right just. to each his own, but we don't need to talk about Batman versus Superman. Let's not get into that. <laughs> but they, um, they just completed a crossover, which was kind of, a, again, it was kind of the culmination of like the beginning of Arrow being the start of that. They then did this one where they did this massive crossover with all these. But what was fascinating is they actually did, they had Ezra Miller Flash show up in that crossover as the Flash. And he met the other Flash of the CW show. Yeah. So they connected the movie and the the TV universe. And then they also went all the way back and grabbed Tom Welling from Smallville and did a short cameo of him as Superman post Smallville. Yeah, yeah. And so it was just like one of those, again, it was like, well, they, again, like in, in TV history, you probably have never had something that's gone that far back grabbing stuff from so many different shows. And they've they've actually grabbed from other, like, DC properties that were their own TV shows but not really connected to the universe. Yeah. Um, but they've just continued to grab all these things in. And it was just, again, it was like, whoa, I can't believe they actually had all of this happen. And it, I get to see it right now. Yeah, well, and that's like that super fan service that's just... They know who's watching their shows, yeah. or at least they know who, who maybe jumped on board that we, because they were a fan of all this other stuff. Yeah. And so they know that if you pepper that in there, these all these uh, hardcore fans are going to get this thrill out of it, right? Yeah. Like I love that kind of thing in there for sure. Yeah. Definitely. No, I, I really. I haven't watched it yet. That's like the Crisis Crossover. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't dived in yet. I'm waiting till. Oh, sorry. That's all on Hulu. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me. Don't ruin it for me. But I'm waiting so I can watch them all back to back. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, I, I really enjoy those. So I just think, um, yeah, as far as nerd goes, like, this is the best time to be alive. There's so much. <laughs> oh, and it's so supported. It's so weird, right? You, it's, you, can't, you can't avoid it. It's crazy that it's, like, almost to the point where if you don't know some, like, if you don't know who Iron Man is, yeah. you're, you're the nerd. Yeah. Right? It's like, like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, right? You get mocked for not having seen all those movies and stuff. But yeah, I think my first one that I was a huge fan of was definitely, uh, like, Michael Keaton Batman. That was my first live action uh, where Jack Nicholson was the Joker. Yeah. And that, and still to this day, I can watch that movie over and over and over. It's just, it's one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. Yeah. No, I don't think I don't think I've actually seen that one. What? Still. <laughs> you have to go watch. You have homework now. I like okay. to give people homework if I guest on their podcast. So your homework is to watch that original Batman. It's phenomenal. Okay. It's more of a Joker movie than a Batman movie, but it's phenomenal. Okay. It's really well done. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll, I will because the um, like the I remember the the Tobey Maguire Spider Man's were like the first ones where it was like they had actual CG that was yeah. good. And, um, so, sorry, my phone keeps going off. Um, but that was something that was like really, I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like that they did that. And, um, and then they, like the, the Christian Bale Batman series, just Christopher Nolan is just a fantastic director and does such a good job on these things. So like when he did that, that was really neat. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to blow the dust off it somewhere because I'm sure it's got layers of dust. But that first Michael Keaton Batman, for me as a kid, was just like, wow, they nailed it. Right? <laughs> like you'd seen other ones and they were always campy. But this, it's a Tim Burton movie and it's like yeah. him at his prime uh, went before he did all those crazy CGI stuff. Yeah. But it, it's like all like practical effects. It's not a bunch of CGI. It's got, it's a really dark, gritty movie, which is how Batman should be. Right. Yeah. I actually heard... Because Michael Keaton did a second one, and I read in this interview where they were going to do a third one, and it was a new director, and he came up to him and said, I just don't understand why Batman has to be so dark. Like, why does it have to be so dark all the time and everything's black? We're going to change it up. And Michael Keaton looked at him and said, I'm out. (laughs) He was like, this is not going. And then you remember things like uh, the, uh, who was it, Uh, Val Kilmer and George Clooney. I never infamous, saw that. Like, I just know. <laughs> like they put him on the outside of his Batman suit. So unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> See, that one's just referenced in memes and as Have insults. You, is that a meme? That's got to be a meme somewhere. All those things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that one is just referenced in the nerd community. It's like, I can't believe they thought this would work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's this. They're terrible. But yeah, then the Nolans kind of resurrected it. Again, yes. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And now it needs resurrecting again. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, um, I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. Um, so the first one is, do you have a lesser known or favorite location on Kamano Island that you like to hang out? Um, I would, if I had a favorite location that I always look really fondly at, it would definitely be that Juniper Beach experience. Like, I don't know if they have like a public access down there. They, I would mm-hmm. assume maybe they do, but, um, if you can find a way to go to Juniper Beach on a really nice, like clear evening and when the tide's out, it's insane down there. The, the place where we lived at had, uh, had half of the place had a flat roof. And oh, so we used nice. to, at night, you know, again, we'd, we'd have a beer and sit on the roof and just kind of look out at the bay there when, it, when the tide would go so far out. And it was cool to leave all these little water pools and <clears> the moon would light off them. And it was, I mean, you know, I'm not like this super romantic guy, but it was super pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, some of those, those, I mean, I still, I used to, we used to hang out at Utsalati Beach uh, right behind where the little story of the bay used to be. Um, so Utsalati Bay, looking over that area, there's a non, non-public non beach that we didn't realize that as a kid. Um, but we just hang out there until, like, dark. And, yeah, we just sit there and hang out and talk. And Yeah, um, I, I guess maybe in general I'd say the beach, which is safe because that's yeah. all around you on an <laughs> island, right? Uh, but I would say the beach, even when I lived um, down at the, uh, the country club uh, yeah. area, we had beach rights down there and you could have to go down this trail and down all these stairs to get to the beach. But even the same thing, it was our favorite thing to do. Almost every day we'd go for a walk down that trail and go hang out on the beach for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's neat. All right. Pretend you have a friend coming from out of town. What would the first day look like here? <sighs> okay. So if it's my friend, right, it's very specific to me. Yep. And maybe I'll, I'll try to full circle this back to the Island, but, uh, I think we would probably mostly hang out at my house. <laughs> uh, I would have some good beer in the fridge, so we'd definitely drink some good beer. Um, we would probably play a video game or watch a really nerdy movie. I would definitely barbecue, so we'd eat barbecue food. Um, I'm very much a like a homebody. Like I like to stay at home. Yeah. I don't mind. I don't. I don't mind going out and hanging out at somebody else's house, but I'm. A lot of going out and, and doing things, if it's too far, sounds like a long car ride to yep. me. So yep. I'd rather just, if we can hang out at somebody's house and, you know, have a good beer and barbecue or something and do something nerdy, that's always my favorite. And I think that part of that comes from living on the island. Because yeah. you kind of get, like I said, if once you live any distance out at all on the island, I think it's a minimum 30 minutes, if not an hour, that you're adding to any trip. Right. So suddenly you don't want to leave very, you want to stay home, right? Yeah. And which is awesome. It's, it's great out here. Uh, but I still retained that mentality after my island experience, right? It's like my mom calls me the island boy of the family because of all that. She's like, you yeah. never want to do anything or go anywhere. It's like, but it's like, we got everything right here. Like we'll, we'll cook and have good beer and hang out and it'll be fun here. So yeah, no, I totally get that. That would be the, that would be probably what that person would do <laughs> if they're hanging out with me. <laughs> Very cool. I'll be over tomorrow. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Who is an interesting or fascinating person in this community that I should interview next? Um, so I thought about this one. I think, uh, again, because, you know, I do really enjoy uh, craft beers and that social aspect of everything. Uh, I know I th- maybe they're the only brewery on the island, the Ale Spike. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe talk to Chris out there, see if you can get uh, some of his input on whatever, what that experience and what that's been like for him. Because I know they had the bottle shop in town. Yeah, um, and I've yet to actually go out to the to the brewery. I think they kind of have they have limited hours right. there, um, right? And I've yet to with my work schedule and especially with all the floats or balls, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> we've been making right now. Uh, I haven't really had time to get out there, but uh, I really want to get out there and check it out. And I'm really curious to hear just what that transition's been like for him. Yeah, no, and that's actually my brother-in-law has gone down there a few times, but I still haven't made it out there because I never know when they're open. Yeah, I could I could look it up online. You know, yeah, we have the internet now. I did look it up. They are they are. It's like Thursday through Saturday or something from like three to eight. That's probably totally wrong, but yeah, yeah, like you know, Google it. They I did myself, and they are open out there. Yeah, no, so I definitely would like to go check them out. All right, and lastly, if you could have a billboard on Camino right as you're driving up on the island, what would that say? Man, um, so first off, again, because I, I enjoyed the the kind of exclusivity of living on the island and all that, I'm 
I'm very much against putting a billboard at the right. beginning of the island. That I'm not on board with that idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do that. Um, so maybe can we just put like shh, like it's a secret, like don't tell. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like just that blank. one. If we just put it blank out there, and people will just wonder. <laughs> don't give away the secret. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. It's definitely changed a lot. I mean, you got to see it change quite a bit since, you know, 90s. Oh, yeah. Like when I first, when we were first out here, basically the only thing to do in Stanwood was go to like the little country store or whatever up, yeah. up by where Hagen is now. It was the only thing up there. And you could like get ice cream or yeah. go to Dairy Queen. They had a Dairy Queen, which isn't here anymore, right? Yeah. But the island, I think the island was basically like, Elger, like little stores like Elger Bay or like the Taiyi, the plaza was just this little gas station, yeah, like little quick stop place, right? <clears throat> yeah, it was, it's all just blown up and uh, just crazy around here. It's yeah. way, way busier and a lot more going on than it ever used to be. Stanwood and Camino, really, right? It's still, it still retained that, that kind of, uh, kind of small town vibe though, which I really yeah. enjoy about it. I like how we're. It's like we're close enough to go to the more populated areas where you can get anything you need. Right. But we're also far enough outside of it that we're yeah. not super influenced by it all. Yeah. So it keeps this kind of innocence around here, which is really nice. And I, any, it encourages you to, to feel good about, you know, having a good beer and barbecue with your friend at home. And yeah. we all support that around here, which is, which is pretty cool. Very supportive community, too, I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely a neat community. It's a special thing of, of what how it works together. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I do really appreciate you taking the time to speak with, speak with me today. I know you guys have been super busy with, with your work right now. Yeah, no, it it was a lot of fun. I, I appreciate you having me come out and do it. And I, I encourage all of your podcast adventures. Thank you. (laughs) Good Um, luck. All right. Well, Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Marcus Ellinger for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, It really helps us get found by other islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode or previous episodes, go to kamenocommons.com slash podcast. That's kamenocommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.